It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And I am fixing to step out by faith right here because I have studied all week to preach on Luke 24. And God spoke to my heart right there this morning and said, Nope, this is what I want you to do. And I, I'm just stepping out by faith and just going to do my best to remember uh, where I want to go in the Bible here on some of these passages. I'm going to trust the Holy Ghost today. I do try to trust Him every day, by the way. But there are moments when you feel like you trust Him a little more, if you know what I mean by that. But it's there, obviously somebody's been praying and asking God, and I, and I believe that the Lord answers prayer like that. I just wish He'd let me know a few days in advance instead of a few minutes in advance. I, I really, I really appreciate that, but obviously somebody in here, God wants to help this morning with this message, and I'm going to do my best to deliver it to you. And pray that he'll speak to your heart. By faith, I will preach this to you today. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. And I want you to look with me in verse number 24. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 24. I want to preach this morning on the thought to you about the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. And I want you to look in chapter 5, verse number 24. Where the word of God says, faithful is he that calleth you, who will also do it. Faithful is he that calleth you, who will also do it. Now the emphasis here is not upon your faithfulness, but upon the faithfulness of God. Now we sing a song around here quite often, Great is thy faithfulness. And truly God's faithfulness is great. And I wish that mine was great. Sometimes my faithfulness is good, but I can't say that it's always or has been great. But our God's faithfulness is great. And I want you to turn with me over to the book of 1 Corinthians this morning and look at a passage of Scripture here. It will show you a place where He is promised to be faithful. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, please. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 concerning the faithfulness of God. I want to speak to the believer this morning, but before I do that, I do want to say to those who may be watching this morning, maybe somebody invited you to watch, or maybe you picked up a track, or maybe somebody gave you a card, or maybe you're here this morning and you've never been born again. I will promise you this morning about the faithfulness of God. The Word of God says that if you will repent toward Him and put your faith in Jesus Christ, He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved, and God will be faithful to answer that prayer. If you humble yourself and cry out to God from a contrite heart and faith in Jesus Christ, I promise you, He will be faithful to do His part to save you, change you, forgive you, cleanse you, and then begin a good work in you. Now, I want you to look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, and I want you to look with me here in verse number 12. This area here of where God promises to be faithful to you and I is in this area of temptation. And when I speak of the word temptation, uh, it is not always in the area of being solicited to do something that is evil. Sometimes it is simply going through a trial of your faith that endures for a season. I think it goes in both directions. I need, I need God to help me. And when I am being solicited to evil and I need God to help me and sustain me when it seems like the adversary or 
other things are going on around me that just seems like it just never stops. It's just one thing right after another, and I need God to help me. Now, look what he says here. The, the obvious thing right here in verse number 12 is, is watch out for your pride. He says, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And I believe this warning is to each one of us who thinks that we do not need God on a daily basis and that we do not need the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. And you think sometimes that you don't even need to attend church or read your Bible or to pray to God on a continual basis. He says you need to take heed lest you fall. And some of you may have even said, I'll never do that. I will never be in that situation. Don't ever say those kind of things. Don't ever say never. All right? But I want to show you the faithfulness of God in verse 13. He says, therefore, he said, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So obviously, whatever it is that you are being tempted about, you are not the first, you're not even the second, and you won't be the last person to go through what you are going through. Now, I don't find a lot of comfort in that sometimes when I'm being tempted or being tried. When somebody says, yeah, I've been through that, you'll be okay. I don't find a lot of comfort in that for me personally sometimes when somebody says that. But I do believe that God keeps His word. And look what He says here. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So you got to get this thought out of your mind that I'm facing something that is impossible to deal with, or I'm facing something that cannot be overcome, or I'm dealing with something that no one has ever dealt with. Those li- those are lies. Okay? And maybe the details might be a little bit different, but I promise you that there are, there are common themes that run through all temptations. Lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And the scripture here says, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You know what that tells me? That it's common for a man also to be tempted. Wouldn't it be a blessing when God saved us that we would never be tempted again? That'd be awesome. But I would say that's simply not so. But he says, but this. He says, but God is faithful. And what a promise this is. Who will not suffer you, that means allow, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. What a promise. You belong to God, you're His Son. When you get up in the morning, you know not what a day may bring forth. So many things can happen throughout a day that may changed the direction that your feet had planned to take that day. And I know that there are certain things that God has has and will direct the path of a good man. And there are things that God will block the path of a good man. But the scripture here says there's one thing that He has promised you, that whatever happens today, whatever happens tomorrow, that He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able 
So whatever it is that you're facing, you have the ability by God's grace to escape it and to overcome it. You have that from the promise of God, that God will be faithful. Every guy that you see falling in the Old Testament, every Christian that you've ever known that's been a member of East River that may have fallen by the wayside, I promise you that God provided a way for them to escape. And I promise you that it was not too much for them. It was the fact that they did not look to the Lord to help them to overcome in their circumstances. And that's true for me and you, by the way. Now look what it says here. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, whether this be a solicitation to self-will and sin of some sort, or whether this be a test or a trial. God will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. But then he says, but will with the temptation. You know what that tells me? That he does not remove and keep you safe from being tempted. Now he could have kept Adam and Eve from being tempted. Do you agree? But he didn't choose to do so. Do you think that maybe God was asleep at the wheel when the adversary slipped into the garden and whispered in their ear? I think not. And I think that sometimes that we feel like that the the Lord is not aware of our circumstances and situation. But I promise you the scriptures here says that uh, here's the thing about temptations. It is like the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And sometimes God is going to test your mettle. Sometimes the Lord is going to help you see what uh, you need and also to see how much you've grown in some areas of your life. I know this, I know this about God, that God wants me to follow Him because I love Him, because I fear Him, because I want to, not because I have to. And yet there are going to be times of when He is going to allow me to be tested and tempted along the way to develop me and help me to grow. Now notice He says, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. And there are some situations that you just simply want to escape. It doesn't say here that he took the temptation and body slammed it to the mat. It says he escaped. There's a little bit difference there. It's like that term where it says flee fornication. Flee youthful lust. You're escaping a situation. You're running from that situation. You just barely got away from that situation. And he says here that God will make a way for you to escape that you may be able to bear it. And whatever that temptation and trial is that you're facing this morning, I got good news for you. As hard as it may be, as difficult as it may be, God has promised that he won't put more upon you than you can bear. And will with that trial and with that temptation provide a way for you to escape and to be able to bear up under it. Now turn with me quickly to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Knowing that, you know what, when I do fail and when I do yield to temptation, makes me feel even that much more worse and condemned in my heart 
Because I know that it's a situation and circumstance that I could have escaped, but I did not. The sin that I'm held accountable for or sin that I'm aware of and that I have chosen to participate in. That grieves the Holy Ghost. That I did not choose the way of escape. I I think David is a perfect illustration of this. David was on, was supposed to be going into battle. He stayed back at the recommendation of his men and there was a lady on a rooftop unclothed and bathing. He's not the first guy that has seen a woman that was not dressed correctly. But yet here he was and he saw this and it wasn't the first look that gets a man in trouble. It's the second look that gets him in trouble. And when he begins to look and to lust, and so when he got this thing in his imagination, he got this thing in his heart and he began to let it work. And then he made a plan to fulfill that lust. And that's when he sent for her and then God opened a door for a way of escape. And sometimes all you need to escape temptation is, is a break in your thought, a break in your mind. And, and maybe sometimes for somebody to just kind of slap you in the face and say, hey man, what are you thinking? And so there is David, he sends after this woman, Bathsheba, and one of his own servants comes up to him after he sent, he asked this man to go get her, and he says, hey David, look, you're my, and, and listen, I believe this guy said it respectfully. He said, but uh, this is Uriah's wife, this is one of your servant's wives. And what that was, was a roadblock. It was the Lord saying, whoa, wait a minute. Think about what you're about to get involved in here. And boy, that's exactly what God will do many times to to block us from stepping too far. And then we will reap that which we have sown. But look in 1 John. I got news for you here. That if you do fail, if for some reason your past overcomes you. If you got saved at a... In your 20s or 30s or 40s, you probably got involved in some things that were detrimental to you. And they probably, somebody said that sin has very long fingers and is always reaching after you. And that's why you got to stay on the move. That's why you got to keep going toward God. You can't start, you can't afford to be passive. You can't afford to even stop and take a, a break. You've got to keep moving forward. You can't let anybody get in your way. You've got to stay in church, stay close to God. I mean, read your Bible, stay in prayer, stay humble before the Lord, and, and just ask God to help you daily to overcome some things in your life. And I know that even then you might grow weary of even some of those things because some days you wake up, it just feels like, you know, that you're just sluggish in your mind and in your spirit. I know sometimes temptation will be there, but the desire is not. And sometimes the desire is there, but the opportunity is not. But woe be unto us is when the desire and the opportunity cross path at the same time. Buddy, that's when we get ourselves in serious trouble if we yield. But sometimes we do sin against God. And when you do sin against the Lord... You need to understand something. Quit defending yourself. Number one, don't deny it. Number two, don't dilute it. And number three, don't defend yourself. 
when David was finally confronted with his sin by the man of God and was said, you're the man. David did not blow a gasket and hurt this guy. David humbled himself before the Lord. Now look with me. Look in chapter number 2, verse number 1. He said, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. So it is the will of God that we do not sin. You agree? He said, If any man, and if any man sin, so is it possible for a child of God to sin? I'd say that, that, that is, goes without saying. I know there are some who believe that they have reached that level of sanctification that they do not sin against the Lord. But I do think that they are somewhat self-deceived, to be honest with you. I think they deceive themselves in this realm. If nothing else, but their pride deceives them. And he says, if any man sin, we have an, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And this is where I want to mention to you the faithfulness of God. When your heavenly Father saved you, uh, he knew what he was getting, and he knew what he was developing, and he knew what you would have to overcome, and he knew your past, and he knew also knows your future. And what happens sometimes is, is that we, we set up sometimes our own little standard of, of what sin is, and if we can maintain that, we feel pretty confident for that day that we met our standard. But the more that you read your Bible, the more you hear preaching, the more you're going to realize that that standard is a lot higher than your standard. How about the very thought of foolishness is sin? How about whatsoever that is not a faith is sin? How about he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him? It is sin. It is not you that determines what sin is. It is the Lord that has determined what it is. And so I I feel that even sometimes as the psalmist wrote and said, Lord, help me even with my secret faults. In other words, there are some things that even that I don't recognize. This is the way it works sometimes. And sometimes you may... You may get yourself all cleaned up and ready to come to church and, you know, you brush your teeth, you combed your hair and you put on some decent clothes and maybe you took a shower, I hope you did, before you got here. And, you know, and then right before you get ready to get out of the car, maybe your mate looks over and says, hey, hey, did you, did, did you, did you, did you notice that was on the side of your face right there? Now you had just spent some time in the mirror and yet you didn't recognize there was something on the side of your face. Now, maybe you appreciated the fact that they pointed it out before you got in public. Hopefully you appreciated it. And then you took care of it before anybody else could see you. Sometimes when we go to the prayer closet at night, before we go to bed, we think about the day that we've just spent and the hours that God has given us, the people we ran into, the conversations that we've had, the things that our eyes saw, the things that our minds thought. And as you go through that, there may be something in that realm there that the Holy Spirit says, this right here disappointed me today. This grieved me. You shouldn't have said that. 
You should not have thought that. You should not have done that. Or, how about the other side? Why didn't you say something to him about the, uh, his soul when I gave you the opportunity and I nudged your heart, but you said, well, this is not a good time. These are things that you have to consider before you lay down at night. But, but, but I do believe, however, that the Spirit of God is more concerned about me being clean than I am in being clean. Don't think that you are so holy that you have to say, Lord, if, if I've done anything to offend you, would you please let me know? I believe the Lord will let you know. I think He wants you to know if you've got a sensitive conscience and any knowledge of the Word of God. Now look at verse number chapter 1 and verse number 9. Here's where we're going. You know where I'm going with this. Is that when you do fail and you want to be clean and you want the peace of God again and you want the power of God again on your life and you want to be back in fellowship with God Let there be a very, 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 very short distance between you and the time that you confess to God. A good time to confess your sin to God is immediately after you have sinned against the Lord. If your heart has smitten you, you say, well, Brother Roger, I I feel like sometimes that the Lord is tired of me coming to Him and say, Lord, here I am again, and I'm sorry again. Please forgive me again. I feel like sometimes I'm just wearing him out and then I don't know how he feels about that. Let me ask you to consider the faithfulness of God, number one. Number two, I want you to consider the fact that God has asked me to forgive you 70 times seven. And if God has asked me to forgive you 70 times seven each time that you come to me and you ask me to forgive you, How much more is your heavenly Father going to forgive you if you come to Him and you ask Him? Our God is is full of mercy and quick to forgive. But you're going to have to be honest about it. So look with me here in chapter number 1, verse number 9. He says, if we confess our sins, it's my sins, Brother Craig. That's the only sins I can confess is mine. Now, I may have known that you've done some things, and I can pray for you, but I cannot confess your sins for you. And he says, if we confess our sins, I can ask God to have mercy upon you, knowing that you've done something wrong, and praying that He won't bring His hand of judgment upon you. But I can't confess them for you. And he says here in verse number 9, I'll tell you, there have been times when preachers have preached, and they knew some folks should be at the altar, and they're not. And there's some folks that he thought were all right, and they are at the altar because their hearts are tender toward God. He said, well, I don't want anybody to be judging me while I go to the altar. You don't need to worry about us judging you. You need to worry about him judging you. Amen. And he says, if we confess our sins, now look at this. Who is faithful? He is. And he says, and he is just to forgive us our sins. And look at this. To cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. And that is because of the faithfulness of his high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, of where God has provided a way for us to be forgiven. It bears repeating 
what Watchman Nee said here. We may be weak, but looking at our weakness does not make us strong. No trying to feel bad and doing penance will help us to be even a little holier. He said we must approach God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you fail, it took faith for you to come to God and ask Him to save you the first time and the only time that you get born again. When you ask Him to save you, He was faithful to keep His promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise from God. To as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe upon His name. That's a promise from God. And such it is when His sons fail Him, He says He is faithful and just to forgive. Now God, number one, did not lead you to sin. Number two, God didn't cause you to sin. And and God didn't put you in all the circumstances that you put yourself in. You understand? You say, well, I just wish God would take this person out of my life. I wish God would take these circumstances and I would not have this temptation. Wouldn't it have been awesome if God had never put that tree of, of good and evil there in the garden? And you say, well, they wouldn't have been tempted had He not put it there. But He put it there, didn't He? But He gave them a choice. He said, just don't touch this one. Just don't touch this one. But sin is going to always be around you. It's always going to be an allurement. Sin is always deceitful and always destructive. But you have to take it seriously. God will provide a way for you to escape. And God will provide forgiveness for you when you fail. Don't fail on purpose because you know He will forgive you. Amen? Because there are consequences to sin. There are consequences, though He may forgive you and will forgive you, there are consequences to that. Now, I need you to turn to another place with me, please, if you would. Turn with me, please, to the book of Philippians. Turn with me to uh, chapter number... um, I know where I want to go, so let me... let's Let's start with chapter number one and verse number six. Faithfulness of God in the times of your temptations. Faithfulness of God when you fail to forgive you and restore you. God wants you back in fellowship with Him. He's provided a great price to get you back in fellowship. But you must confess it to God. You must call it what it is. All right? And Psalm 51 will let you, an inside picture of David's heart, of his confession to God, and he blames no one but himself. He did not blame Bathsheba. He did not blame Uriah. He did not blame the guys that encouraged him to stay home. He said, it's all on me. And when you get that attitude, you can do business with God today. All right? And then I want you to look in chapter 1, verse 6. He says, being confident Of this very thing, how awesome it is for a believer to live with confidence. Being confident of this very thing that he, 
talking about God, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There are many people who have made professions of faith. Not everyone that makes a profession of faith has been born again. Do you understand that? There are some folks who fool around at the altar and play with God. I've told you the illustration of a grown man in his late 20s or early 30s who came to the altar one time in South Louisiana where I pastored and I knew his family and I knew him and I said, I said, why are you here at the altar this morning? He said, preacher. He said, man, I'm just here at the altar to get my family off my back. That was his motive for being at the altar. You see, when you call upon the Lord, you've got to call upon the Lord and trust Him with all of your heart, according to Acts chapter number 8. When that, when that to Ethiopian unit says, what doth hinder me to be baptized? He says, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart? He said, then thou mayest. And I'm just saying there has to be a real connection there with God and being the new birth. Now, when that occurs, this is what helps me as a pastor because it discourages me when people make a profession of faith and might even get baptized and then it's not six months to a year later you don't see them and they're not interested in things of God. And Jesus taught us about the different, different types of seed in the sower that there'd be some that would just surface. I don't want to be one of those. I don't want to be one of those. But when a person is truly born again, according to what it says in the book of 1 John, he said they went out from us because they were not of us. He said because there is no doubt had they been of us, there is no doubt they would have continued with us. But they went out from us that it might be made manifest that they were not of us. So what does that tell you? It doesn't mean that somebody gets saved and then loses their salvation. It means that when you get born again, that God begins a work in you and you will continue because He'll continue to work in you. Now, this is what it does for me as a pastor. There's only so much warning I can give you. There's only so much counseling I can give you. There's only so much preaching I can give you. But it is God. Then who must deal with you as His Son and chasten you and work on you as his own child. I'm just a part of it. And you know that. And I know that. And so look what he says here in verse 5. Verse 6. That God which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. To the day that you meet Christ. Alright. Now listen. He goes on and says this. Look over in chapter number 2. And look in verse number 12. You and I have a responsibility here. And I'm saying here there are three things that God is very faithful at. Number one is when you are tempted. He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but He will provide a way for you to escape. Number two, when you do fail and you do sin against Him, He will be faithful to forgive you if you will confess that sin to Him and come clean with it. All right? And the third area is, is in your development as a son. God is faithful in developing His children. And by the way, if you continue to resist that development, then more than likely He will take you home early. 
You say, no, everybody's got an appointed time. No, sometimes we go home early. It's just the way it is. Okay? All right. Now look what he says. Look what he says in chapter number 2. He says here in verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is something God put in you, and now you're to work with God as He works this out of you. It's like what God puts inside the ground, or a man puts inside the ground in a garden, and he works it the best he can, but it is God's miracle of photosynthesis that brings that dead seed out of the ground and begins to produce fruit. God put something in you, and you're to work with Him, hand in hand, as He works in your heart and in your life to develop the fruit of the Spirit and to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. If you want to talk about predestination, this is where you're predestined. Once you get born again, you are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's going to work on you until the day that you die to do so. Now look what he says. He says in verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you. So if you're going through some things right now, guess what? It's God who is working in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And he says, by the the way, when you're going through this and God's working in your life, he says, I don't want you murmuring and I don't want you arguing about it. He says, do all things without murmuring and disputing because God takes it personal. Now, I need to show you another very important passage that will be done for today. Turn to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. God is faithful in developing His children. A good parent, a faithful father, the Bible says, a faithful father would chasten his son betimes. Now what it says? A faithful father will chasten his son betimes. Which just simply means multiple times. And you may testify that you never got a discipline when you were a child. And we appreciate your confession because now we know what is wrong with you. <laughs> And you say, well, I only got a spanking once. You're in the same category. I'm just saying that God disciplines His children. But here's the thing about discipline with God. When God chastens you, sometimes it is because there are some things you're doing that are wrong. And God will chasten you because of that. And He will help remove those things out of your life. He will... will, it's almost like some kid eating too much of one kind of ice cream that it makes him vomit and he no more wants that ice cream the rest of his life. And God sometimes will let you get your fill of something to the point where that you want no more of it in your life ever. And I'm saying that in Hebrews chapter 12, He will remove some things from you, but, but discipline and chastening also is to improve some things in your life. As uh, we have military men here in our congregation... And I don't think that hardly any of them really, really, really enjoyed boot camp. Boot camp was not to punish them. It was to develop them. It was to remove some things and improve some things in their life to prepare them for battle. 
And so it is with the child of God's life. God will put some things in you. Now look what this, look what it says, Hebrews 12. Concerning the faithfulness of God. And some of you right now, I believe, the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you this morning, this is why this is going on in your life. This is what's going on. Uh, you're not, you're not being tempted in certain areas and you have it, as far as you know, you haven't done something right now that you need to confess, but yet you find yourself really kind of almost feel like, almost like you're just kind of pressed down and stressed out and maybe it's grievous time right now in your life or not a joyous time in your life right now. But look at this. There's a, the Word of God does have the answer for things in our lives. Look what he says here. He says in verse 5, You have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. And some of you have forgotten this. No matter how old you are, God developing you. He said, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Don't take this lightly. He said, Nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. That's where he will give you strength. For this time of trial and temptation that you're facing. And then look in verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So is God mad at you? Answer me. No. Well, he loves you. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Now I have no respect for a father who only disciplines his children when he is angry. And so he gets personal gratification out of disciplining his children because he's angry. A good father will discipline his children regardless of his emotions at the time and will do what's necessary regardless of how he may feel at the time. He says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Are you a son of God? Verse 2, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? This was the understanding of family culture and structure. It was obvious and understood that a father's responsibility was to restrain his children and discipline his children. And he says in verse 8, He says, but if you be without chastisement, now look at this. If you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, every one of us in this room are partakers of God's chastening. He says, if you are not, he said, then you are bastards and not sons. If you go to Walmart this afternoon, I doubt Let's say that Brother Jason, church goes to, and Jenny go to Walmart this afternoon, and and all their children go with them into the store. I doubt that Brother Jason is going to be correcting and calling down every child that's in the Walmart store. Amen? Who's he going to be getting on to? His own kids. And so it is with God. He said, well, I don't understand why God let him get away with that. Well, God doesn't let his children get away with things. It could be they don't belong to God. 
He says in verse 9, he said in verse 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. I say amen to that. I had one like that. And we gave them reverence. Yes, I feared my dad. No, no, I'm not talking about the kind of fear that torments. I'm talking about the kind of fear that respects. All he had to do after a few spankings, all he had to do was just give me that look. Straighten up. Hush up. He says, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection of the Father's spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. In other words, they were simply doing this in order to improve the environment. To get things to settle down. Be quiet. Do right. I don't want to have to put up with this at the table. I want to be able to eat supper in peace. He says, but he for our profit. Why does God chasing you? Why is he chasing you today? Why hasn't you been going through some things? It's for your profit. It's for your profit. God's not trying to hurt you, but it does hurt. Look, he said that we might be partakers of his holiness, so obviously he's removing some things and improving some things. But look at this in verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Man, I don't know if my sister or my brother, any of my cousins that came out of a spanking time and said, Man, that was wonderful. That was great. Let's do it again. No. We all said, man, I'm doing that again. Woo, man. No, sir. That is if you got the right kind of correction. Amen. Amen. Uh, so one of the men in my church, I think it was, said that their, uh, they, their parents always made them go get a, a limb off of a, one of the fruit trees. To a, a, I think it was a peach tree. That uh, they always had to go get a limb off of it. To, and they had to, if they come back with one of them little old bitty ones, you know, that just limbered like a wet noodle, they had to go back and get another one. And they said they got so many spankings, a tree died. <laughs> Amen. Boy, that's a lot of limbs off a peach tree, buddy. You understand? But I'm just saying that God has a peach tree with some limbs on it. And buddy, and, and listen, but I promise you though, I'm, I'm implying that he's doing this because you're doing something wrong. I don't mean to do that. I mean to imply to it sometimes that he's just trying to stretch you, grow you, profit you, so that he can use you down the road. Look what he says here. And he says here, he says in verse 11, Now no chasing for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. So if for the present time, you're really, really being worked over from all, sometimes you may feel like an octopus and somebody's pulling on all eight legs. Eight, right? And sometimes you may feel that way in life. You say, oh God, where are you? Oh God, oh God. And sometimes it will not be joyous. Sometimes it will be grievous. And the scripture says this. He says, nevertheless, afterward, that means at some point it will end. It yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, he says, don't get bitter about this. This is where faith kicks in of the faithfulness of God. If, as far as you know, you did not yield to temptation, as far as you know, 
there's not anything for you to confess that God has showed you or that the Bible has showed you, and you're still going through these things, as far as you know, you're not outside the will of God, as far as you know, you're doing everything that you know is right, and you're honest about that, then this is where you have to buy your knee and say, Father, I trust in your faithfulness as me as your child, and, and I would like to lift up my hands and praise to you, though I don't comprehend this, I don't understand this, but I trust you as my Father that you're working in my life. I refuse to be bitter towards you. I'm going to trust you. Now look what he says. He said in verse 12, Wherefore lift up hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And God does not want you to give way to a root of bitterness while He is working on you. Look in verse 15. Looking diligently, talking about unto Jesus, lest any man fail of the grace of God. What will God provide for you during this time? His grace. If you'll humble yourself and bow your knee and say, I'm your child, I am your servant, I don't know why you let this happen to me, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you, and God, I will not give in to bitterness, I will not be angry at you, I will not murmur, I will not complain, because God, you saved me, you made me your child, you're my father, and I believe, this is the text that we read from in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Do you believe it? Faithful is he that calleth you, who will also do it. What will he do? He will provide a way for you to escape. And when you fail, he will forgive you. And as you're growing, he's going to chasten you to develop you. Can you praise him for that? Can you ask him for grace this morning? Don't murmur and complain and fuss about Him. But you yield yourself to Him. Your Heavenly Father loves you. There's going to be some things that happen in your life that are going to be very painful. Do not give in to the root of bitterness. If you want to maintain your joy, bitterness always spreads out to others. I pray that you would not grow up to be a bitter man and a bitter woman. Yield yourself to God. You know, when you were a son or a daughter, if you had a good parent, you always had to remember your place in the family. And every once in a while, you kind of lose sight of your place and your mom or dad had to jerk a knot in you to remind you who's the father and who's the son. Amen? And I pray that the Lord doesn't have to do that to you today. But hey, I'm just this morning preaching by faith. I believe I did what the Lord told me to do. I didn't have to struggle for any verse of Scripture, any thought this morning, trusting that God was speaking to your heart. And I pray this morning that the Lord would, that you'd yield yourself to Him. Hey, if you're facing a temptation, take the way of escape and thank Him for the way of escape. If you failed, ask Him to forgive you. If you're going through chastening of the Lord, yield yourself to Him. Bow that knee and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I'm hurting but I trust you. I'm hurting, but I love you. And I know you're doing it for my good and your glory. Let's stand together, please.